Well, if they think they're going to board the Enterprise, they're going to find one hell of a fight. Battle stations. Coming up, the Enterprise crew comes face to face with the ruthless Gorn. Captain, order a retreat. It's the Gorn, sir. It's them. This was a trap. La'an is forced to come to terms with her traumatic past while trying to save the ship. Captain, the lower decks will be first to take structural damage. An Enterprise has to dive. Helm, take us down. As Pike makes a call that is certain to destroy the Enterprise. We have to find cover, regroup, level the playing field. You have to trust me, Captain. We break down this week's episode and reveal the top three moments that made this action-packed episode of Strange New Worlds fascinating. All this and more coming up on Energize. 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 We're boldly going into the uncharted regions of the Star Trek universe before James T. Kirk. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast, your source for in-depth analysis, colorful debate, and exciting discussions about the new adventures of Captain Pike and the Enterprise crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. This week, while en route to help a remote colony, the Enterprise is attacked by a race of beings that are destined to capture the crew and use them as breeding sacks. Chief of Security La'an's nightmare past pays her and the crew a tragic visit. Here's a Warp Speed recap of Strange New Worlds Episode 4, Memento Mori. Venomous 3 is not responding because the colony's communication satellite has been destroyed. I'm not getting any human life signs. Looks like the bodies were all dragged here, but where are they now? Captain, they're hailing us. Thank God. You're Starfleet. The monsters are coming! Hide! But it makes noises. Raise shields now! Raise shields, red alert! We can't, the transport tube, we can't raise shields. Captain, order a retreat. It's the Gorn. We are prey. Well, if they think they're gonna board the Enterprise, they're gonna find one hell of a fight. Battle stations, make ready for close quarters. Steve, an action-packed episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I have been waiting for this. I was oh wondering God. how long it was going to take before we blew up the ship and, and you know, face <laughs> certain doom. Yeah, it, God, what a great episode. True, I was waiting for this too. You know what it reminded me of a little bit for all our Battlestar Galactica fans? It reminded me of the second episode or really the first episode after the pilot, 33, where every 33 minutes Galactica yes. had to jump because the Cylons were catching them. That just that tension and that just nonstop action was, oh, it was just brilliant, brilliant. And I love 33. That was one of my favorites coming out of the first, uh, coming into season one of Battlestar Galactica. Now, the episode's title is called Memento Mori, which the Latin phrase Memento Mori literally means remember that you must die. Uh, 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 interesting. Wow. And that really goes right to Pike, doesn't it? That's funny because I thought it was remembering the dead. And that's what the episode started with was, okay, we're remembering officers who have served and died in the line of duty. Exploration can exact a heavy toll. As captain, there is no loss more devastating than that of a crew member. And I thought actually that was a foreshadowing not to Pike's own, you know, peril, which he will see in 10 years, but just to what happened to some of the crew members in this show. Oh, exactly. And you must die. I think 
maybe refers to the Gorn because you know, their whole thing is that they're going to use you as breeding sacks. Breeding sacks, yeah, and then you you die while you while you do that. And we're talking about the memories also of Laan Nguyen Singh because she has right. flashbacks all throughout this episode, and it's a yeah. constant reminder of some traumatic experience that she went through at the hands of the Gorn. Right. Well, they're they're invading her planet. They're invading her people. They're scooping up all the people to make them breeding sacks. And she and this friend, whoever he is, who like last week it was Timothy Chalamet. This week it looked a, a little bit like Ezra Miller. <laughs> or ah, maybe yes. I'm just seeing things. <laughs> the flash all of a sudden. But um, yeah, and she's she's seeing how he sacrificed himself for her. Yes, her brother. It was her brother. Yeah. Oh, it was her brother. Okay, got it. Yes. And so I was making uh, dinner, to be fair. I was making dinner while this episode was happening. So I might have missed that. Sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah, we all have life. <laughs> As we honor the lives that have been given, let us also be grateful to be still on the journey. So the episode starts off with everyone observing Starfleet Remembrance Day and the captain addressing the crew. And I, and I think this is very, very uh, great on Pike's end because what we get a chance to see is this theme that goes throughout the entire show about sacrifice and what it means to, to be a member of Starfleet and to still be around. And throughout this episode, they're facing certain death. And so he stepped, you know, this, this theme uh, continues throughout the entire show. And I just thought it was really great. I do too. And, and, you know, when you step back and really look at every character that was portrayed in this episode, uh, somebody was willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. And, you know, when you explain the title, remember you must die, maybe it's remember you must sacrifice too. This is part of what you sign up for as a Starfleet officer is at any moment you're, you know, you may be called upon to give your life. I mean, what a rich theme without being exploitive. It really was not dramatic over rather. It wasn't overly dramatic. It wasn't overdone every week. They just seemed to nail it right down the middle. Very impressed. And I was, as I was watching, I made the notation. Sacrifice is the name of the game because mm-hmm. throughout this episode, so, several story, several characters, you know, made sacrifices throughout yeah, or put themselves right. in a position where they could have died. And some did die. Yeah, that's right. They lost seven. Was it seven crew members? Yes, they lost seven crew members and three of the, um, the people that they rescued, the, the civilians yeah. they rescued from the colony. And yep. so it's all front and center. And I, I think it's a constant reminder of what you sign up for when you join Starfleet, that this is always on the forefront, duty. And, and how interesting that is, because I, I, I don't know if any other series has been that serious about how really dangerous it is. And I think that's by design. Here they are, the first real crew of the Enterprise, the first real five-year mission before Kirk and, and that whole crew. You know, obviously it's post Archer, but I mean, it's still crazy and scary and nuts out there. They're still feeling their way around. And so uh, it, we do need to be reminded that, you know, this is a dangerous business. Somebody even said it space is dangerous. Just like astronauts in real life. I mean, NASA has lost several, uh, you know, several members over the years. And yeah. it was a constant reminder of what the stakes are that when you step out there, mm-hmm. this is exploration, this is discovery. But at the same time, you're putting your life on the line to be able to do just that. That's the oath you take at Starfleet. 
Yep. So uh, we see La'an looking at the insignia or the emblem from the ship that the Gorn actually took over. And so obviously this is a La'an centric episode. It starts off with her uh, personal log. Security officer's log, stardate 3177.3. The Enterprise is currently en route to deliver an atmospheric processor upgrade to Finibus 3. Right, which we predicted several weeks ago. It seems like every uh, episode featuring a character will start off with their personal log, which I think is really unique. No, it's a good way of doing things. And we were waiting for some kind of payoff because in episode two, La'an told the story of being of her people being captured by the Gorn and used as breeding sacks, and she was the only one that escaped. So we were right. waiting for the payoff. We, I felt like at some point we were going to find out what really took place. And so we, we did get that payoff. You're not wearing your pin. No big deal. Okay. Past is the past. There's no point in looking back. So when she comes onto the bridge, she's not wearing an insignia like everybody else yeah. is. She's not participating. And we see this really, really tough exterior from her. And she's really disconnected from her emotions. She seems like someone who uh, compartmentalizes that. It's not a place that she wants to visit um, emotionally and just right. kind of accordance it off. And yet, when it becomes abundantly clear to her what's happening, she's the one who's like, okay, listen. She springs into action. Her instincts take over. Her experience tells her, raise the shields. This is not a drill. I know exactly what's going on. And it was a great moment where Pike looks at her like, should I believe this woman? And she looks at him and she's like, you have to trust me. And he's like, okay, let's do this. And, you know, she didn't want to deal with it on Remembrance Day, but she was forced to in real life. That was a great challenge. I mean, what a, what a brilliant piece of writing to say take a character who doesn't want to deal with the past and bring that past right into her face right now. And, and I don't know, I just loved it. Oh yeah. Great we'll for dig her character. Oh, absolutely. And we'll dig deeper into some of the things that took place because there were yeah. several inflection points throughout this episode where Laon, her attitude towards things, and she actually had to be, you know, somewhat corrected by Pike in her approach. Yeah. Um, we'll get, we'll get to that. Sir. Finibus 3 is still not responding to any hails. When was their last transmission? According to the log, two days ago. So then they come across um, the uh, planet Finibus 3, and they're not responding to hails. So they find out that their satellite's been destroyed, so now they have to, uh, a away team has to go down and investigate what has taken place. I'm not getting any human life signs. There are supposed to be hundreds of people here. My goodness. Uh, number one and La'an and the rest of the rest of the away team get down there and it looks like uh, somebody ran roughshod over the entire colony. Yeah, it's been there's blood everywhere. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to remember what th that was indicative of. I think, you know, I, I think this crew, this team um, draw a lot from past episodes and other inspirations. This one reminded me of when Data and Riker went down to uh, one of the planets and it was completely decimated and they realized it was the Borg and that was the beginning of that two-part um, show, the end of season three, the beginning of season four, you know, the best of both worlds. Uh, that's kind of how this felt. Something bad happened here and we need to investigate. It was, a, it was a really great way to start with the mystery. Looks like the bodies were all dragged here. 
But where are they now? This felt kind of like Predator. When you saw the blood on the ground yeah, where people have been right. dragged, I was like, good grief, this is like straight out of Predator. Yeah. What has happened yeah. here? Yeah. And this is playing out kind of like a horror film thriller in a way. I think so too. And, and that's another, I mean, I really don't want to sound like I'm kissing so much butt with these folks, but I mean, they really are doing a phenomenal job at drawing on a lot of different genres and disciplines to tell the story and not, not being afraid to kind of take risks. You know, they're not sugarcoating anything. I don't think. No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. After they see this horrific scene uh, up on the ship, another ship is approaching. This is Captain Christopher Pike of the USS Enterprise, and you are? Professor Thandy of Finibus 3. And at first, they, you think that, okay, these are the people that attacked the colony, but it's actually the remaining colonists themselves. And they're pretty, they're pretty beat up. Everyone's injured. You know, when I saw that at first, I thought, this is a fake. They're faking. They're doing something to trick the Enterprise. They're acting like, you know, they're refugees. That's why they had their shields up, um, but uh, that's why they had their scans going. But yeah, they were legit. But I want to touch on something you said there. You you felt for a second that this might be a lie, that this is a trap of some sort. But here's yeah. the thing. Um, the professor, she basically said that no one could remember anything. And that, that was the thing right. that, that, that kind of played through, too, with a lot of people. No one could actually yeah. say what happened to them? So I'm like, okay, well, how did you end up on the ship? How did you get away? Everybody else was a bloody mess down there on the planet. So how did you end up on the ship and you have amnesia? All, all you heard was a clicking and a, a, a ringing. And so that, that had oh me suspicious. God. I was just like, what the hell? How did, how did, you know, what kind of technology do these attackers have? What does the Gorn have that makes people forget? Or is this all part of the hunt? Again, sounds like Predator. Well, but if you look at the way that they portrayed the Gorn in this episode, they set traps for everybody. So maybe they wiped the memory of these few people that survived to set them up as bait. So when the Enterprise shows up, the Gorn can go after the Enterprise, bigger fish rather, you know? It does make sense because La'an basically in episode two hinted at the fact that she, the Gorn are definitely sentient beings of course they're flying around in ships but they also have a lot of strategy even though they're pretty their ways are primitive using other yeah. races as uh breeding sacks but the fact that she said that they threw her out like a fish like when you catch a bunch of fish you throw one back in for mercy and so clearly <laughs> yeah. they they play games yeah uh, and they have a, a method to their madness and i was sitting on that for uh throughout the whole entire episode i was like okay what is the deal why can't anyone remember? All we hear is this ringing. So then when the uh, the passengers are coming across because they couldn't beam them on board because the ship holds uh, radioactive ore. Did you see something, Fig? I didn't see it, but it makes noises. Great shields now! La'an you know, talks to this child and she says, well, the monsters are coming. And... She said, well, what do you mean, monsters? She said, well, what do you remember? Yeah. And she, she does that whole click, click, click sound. And then Lana's like, light bulb, the light bulb goes on. And it's like, shields up. Yeah. Let's, get, you know, we're about to get attacked. And literally, that's exactly what happens. And she sees that ship out of the window. And she's like, it's the Gorn. Yeah. And she basically froze for a second. She freezes. Yep. Yep. She freezes. I think I was genuinely surprised by her reaction and and what I loved in that moment was the chill that I got 
when that little girl was making the sound and, and La'an's reaction to it. I really felt that. It really scared me. I was like, oh my God, this, and the music was perfect. I mean, it was really a well done moment. And the fact that she froze like she did just said everything. We knew what was going on at that point. Raise shields, red alert. We can't, the transport tube, we can't raise shields. The tube is blown up. The, the cargo ship is blown up. And I think, you know, just in that moment, I was just kind of like, wow, this, this feels like J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek when, right. um, when Kirk's father, father's ship was being attacked and it's yeah. just chaotic, there's fire everywhere. Right. And you're just like, I, I mean, I, I was drawn into the moment simply because I just felt the chaos that was going on. People are injured all over the place and it's just chaotic. And we're trying to figure out what the hell just happened. And you know what scared me too yeah. about that was they were saying, you know, we can't raise the shields while that connection is happening. Look, we both know that there's a whole series that has to be shot here. The Enterprise is not going to get destroyed and the crew, I'm guessing, is not going to die. But in that moment, I was really scared. They really got me. It really worked. Well, well, the Gorn are meat eaters. So I I would assume that they would want to cripple the Enterprise so they can come aboard and have a bunch of meat sacks. And so now now the chase begins. So Lon comes on board, I mean, comes onto the bridge and basically, it's going back and forth with Pike. You have to get shields up and go. Lieutenant, I understand how this might... You can't fight. Confirmed sightings are rare, and they have never ventured into Federation. It's Federations. the Gorn. Pike is, like, ready to take this course of action, and she's like, no, I'm telling you, it's the Gorn. And everybody just stops and freezes. I'm just like, oh, boy. And what's interesting about that moment is how Pike reacts. What I've noticed about this show is that Pike is not the singular, you know, for lack of a better term, decider. Now, Picard always asked for suggestions, but he was a bit of an alpha male. Kirk, of course, was the ultimate alpha male. Pike is more of just like a, okay, you know, I'm willing to listen and, and he's willing to be wrong. Um, it's, it's interesting to me how in these first four episodes, he has been portrayed as a really... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a cooperative captain and someone who's willing to almost be part of the B story instead of the A story. There was so much more going on with the crew than there is with just Pike. You know, he's part of an ensemble. He's almost not separate from the crew, which was different from Picard and from Kirk. Yes. I think I like, I still want him to be the central figure, of course. And I want him to to lead, but I do like the approach yeah. that every that everyone's stories are important, and he is kind of the shepherd or the guide that's gonna uh, lead lead yeah. us through. And so I think it it, it 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 doesn't bother me. I think it's I think it's actually a good thing. So Laon, you know, basically tells everybody that uh, the colonists were basically used as bait. Helm full impulse to Spock's mark. Aye aye, full impulse to a giant gas cloud. We have this nearby brown dwarf that's you know being sucked into a black hole. sounds like a lot right there. I'm just <laughs> yeah, like, geez, man. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a bit heavy. So to speak. Exactly. And so, I mean, straight out the gate, we're going to go over to this Brown dwarf and hide. All of our sensors are going to be down. Shields are going to be down. Communications are going to be down. We're basically going to be flying blind. And what did you think of? What was this reminiscent of? Star Trek to the Motara Nebula. Thank right? you very much. Sauced for the goose, Lieutenant. The odds will be even. And they even mentioned that. 
Yep. You know? Exactly. Exactly. What happens to us will happen to them. Exactly. In there. So, and here's the thing that they're doing. They're borrowing all of these concepts with pride. They're saying, yeah, you're right. It does echo something in the past, but you loved that. And here's another thing I noticed that I wanted to mention. One of my favorite films in history, not just from the genre, but one of my favorite films is Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington. I love that movie so much. I can't believe it. I, I've seen it a million times. So this episode, and in fact, this series reminds me a little bit of that because they don't say go to orbit. They say make for orbit or they, they use nautical terms. And oh, I, dive I, deep. I, Let's go deeper. Aye, aye, Captain. Diving right. deeper. Yeah. That's right out of Crimson Tide. And I, I don't know. It almost feels like someone's reading my mind because like they're taking all my favorite moments and bits and throwing it into this series. Either that or I'm just incredibly uh, narcissistic. I, I can't tell which, Anthony. I literally have this in my note, Crimson Tide, because mm-hmm. the, when, when, they, when they go deeper and, yeah. we're, and the ship is being crushed under the pressure of the Brown Dwarf, yes! that was yes! when the ship, ship when the, uh, the Alabama was sinking and it was coming home. It was coming well, and they to 18, had to, they had to close feet. off. And they had yeah. to close off bits of the ship, remember? And yes. then Ricky Schroeder dies. Schroeder, yes. Lieutenant Hellman, show the deck up, baby, before we all go down. No, they're Bridge, down. Bills our... Bay. Seawater had to seal, sir. Sir. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And yet it wasn't as, in this episode, it wasn't as perilous as it was in Crimson Tide. One, because you didn't have Hans Zimmer music and, uh, whoever was directing was a, a John McTiernan, and two, uh, they had, you know forty four minutes to get all this stuff out, but still, it was there. Someone's a Crimson, Crimson Tide fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely in there, and I, I think it is really smart for them on this series to treat this like it's a submarine because they're in space. The thing I don't think has ever been um, explored in any of these series is the solitude and the the loneliness and 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 the uh, just the being lost in the middle of space like you are in a submarine you're in that damn thing for 3 months under the water in the middle of nowhere in the darkness and and, and I think they need to keep doing that I like the way they're doing that the truth is plenty of people have seen the gorn they just don't live long enough to talk about it we are prey when they hunt they're unrelenting Last week's episode, number one, was, was the central figure. And this episode, number one, is, is, has been taken out. She is pretty gravely injured and yep. is in sigbay the whole time. So she was out of the picture so long and ends up uh, sitting as acting number one once again. Which had to happen because they couldn't tell on story. Have her, she can't sit there and yell at the captain. It's, you know, directions and do this and trust me. If number one is there saying, you know, you're not allowed to do that. They had to, they logically had to get rid of her. The the plot hole there for me, and maybe you can explain this to me, is I thought Uno could, you know, cure herself, but maybe her injuries were so bad that she couldn't on her own. Right. Well, I didn't get the indication that she heals like um, Wolverine, but, <laughs> but but speaking of that, speaking of that, she had the exact same abdominal injuries that uh, Mystique had in X-Men when he stabbed her in the stomach. 
think about that. Whoa, boom. <laughs> right? When they're on Liberty Island, he stabs her in the yes. stomach. Okay. Everybody has source material. Well, they're bar- they, like I said, they they're borrowing yeah. with pride. I, they're borrowing with pride. And what they're doing is they're taking known. I think they're really smart about this. They're taking known and loved elements and throwing it into a really classic piece of television. Yeah, I don't mind. I just don't want it to be overused. Whereas, like, I don't want to be in a situation where when we got deep into the Star Trek series by the time we got to Voyager and Enterprise, where every time a storyline came up, you could, you could literally name the episode from uh, one of the previous Star Trek series. It was like, oh, yeah, that did, was blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. They did do that. They stole a lot of stuff from previous episodes. We talked about that before. Naked Time, Naked Now. In what they're doing here is they're taking from other movies, genres, other TV shows. Not Maybe that's just, a safer thing to do. I think so too. I think they're they're borrowing from across the spectrum, not just Star Trek canon. And I think that makes it easier. It makes it better. I think they're doing the right thing. No weapon systems, no phases. What about photon torpedoes? Those can be self-guided. The torpedo bay was hit in the attack. We lost all but one. So then we end up in the captain's ready room because now we're hiding inside the brown dwarf. So there's clearly the Gorn can't see them. So we're, we're kind of tucked away right now. And so that gives them time to actually meet and try to discuss a game plan. And um, we get an assessment for, you know, the situation that they're in. They only have one torpedo, which really <laughs> sucks. I was just like, what was also brilliant. Yes. Yes. And we'll get to how they used it. So yeah. we're, we're in the ready room. And I think, you know, this is where Leon, Leon comes through again with her fears. And she's very, very, very dominant about what she's saying. And she's like, no, these people are ruthless. They're going to take us out, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm glad that she's speaking up. But the way that everyone's looking at her in the room, they're kind of like, okay, she's a little fanatical. You know, can she handle the pressure of what's going on? Because everything's gloom and doom, for which Pike pulls her aside. But right now, your job isn't just about orders. It's about hope. Which, you know, again, shows his leadership skills. He's not going to shut her down in front of everybody, but he's going to make sure and double check that what she's saying is true. Look, I think you and I both agree that anyone that goes through that kind of trauma might be a little over-exaggerated with their reactions. But again, you know, she knows who she's dealing with and you can liken it to today's political atmosphere. There's one side that just is ruthless and the other side that's nice. And the nice people don't tend to see the ruthlessness coming. And there's got to be someone who says, hey, listen, you got to be careful here. It's, it definitely goes along with the times where I've spoken to people many uh, just the other day about, you know, why is it the nice people always get get the short end of the stick? You know, I said, well, I, I was just like, well, I think, you know, nice people have to have an edge, too. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe Lon serves that purpose on, on the ship. She's she, all edge. She is, she is a good middleman. And I think, I, I don't think this is the end of her corn story either, by the way. I think that we're going to see this again and again. I, I, I'm going to, I was going to save this for a little bit, but I do want to just say that I think that the Gorn could potentially be the Borg for this series. Um, because they may revisit this and revisit this. Oh, yeah, it, it's very well possible because here's the one thing they didn't do in this episode. We never saw the Gorn. And let's back up for one second because I'm going to end up rolling, rolling some clips in here from Star yeah. Trek, the original original series. Uh, oh, my Kirk, God. 
Kirk fought the Gorn. Yeah. They were put on that planet yeah. by another race. And they were like, listen, there are weapons everywhere, which there weren't any weapons. It was just raw materials yeah. to make weapons. And basically the crew of the Enterprise is watching Kirk fight this Gorn, uh, which, by the way, was yeah. the cheesiest. I mean, I went back and watched the clips today and I was like, oh, oh my God, oh my. this dude was like with moving the music. Like so <laughs> and he always like does the karate chop. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but the gore guy was swinging so slow. He was just like, ah. yeah. you know, and so I was, I was just cracking up on that. And so it'll be interesting that whenever the Gorn actually reveals their face, yeah, uh, what are they going to look like? How are, how are the producers going to illustrate this? You know, and they were briefly, they were briefly shown, I think in either enterprise or one it was of the enterprise. It was enterprise. Okay. Yeah. And it was really bad CGI. So I think if, if, and when we see them, and I think we will, they're going to be uh, pretty well done. Yeah, and I think it was smart not to show them. Let, let's just let this one play out like this, dude. Because this, we're going to come this, back and revisit it, like you said. And I think and, you're, yeah. you're spot on. Very Spielberg, Jaws, Close Encounters to not show them the first time. Create that mystery. Belief can be the difference between victory and defeat. Get a crew to believe in miracles, and might just give you one. And I love what Pike said to Lon. You know, he basically paraphrased, and it's like your your job isn't just about orders; it's about hope. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I just thought that that was, you know, really, really great for him to say that to her. You can't be all about gloom and doom. You you got to give the people that you're under some measure of hope, which and, is and Pike does which that. is which is interesting because the name of the episode is the opposite of that. It is, you know, death is certain and, you know, you must accept it. The last thing that he said, I thought that was pretty powerful. He says that beliefs can be the difference between victory and defeat. And it's true. Right. It's true. He's right. There have been people who have who faced insurmountable odds and just on the strength of their belief that they could win and, and their optimism and their hope, they were victorious, whereas other people would have folded in the same situation. That's the story of Henry V. It's it's classic Shakespeare. An engineer's most important tools are his mind and his hands. I can't move my fingers. Here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna talk me through what to do. Gonna be a team, and then we had a side story. We had Himmer and Uhura uh, down in the cargo hold because the very atmospheric processor, so it got damaged when they uh, when they were attacked, and it's uh, a device that if it overheats, it would have been like an atomic bomb blowing up inside the ship. So you had this these good moments between Himmer and Uhura because Uhura is still trying to work through her purpose, and I think that was a good opportunity for us to get more Himmer and uh, some more Uhura. Yeah, and we got that, and we got a more, I don't want to say human, because he's not human, but a more humanistic side of him, or he smiled a little. He was more um, uh, gracious to Uhura than he seemed to be with other people. Shields at 60%. How fast can you push impulse? The starboard nacelle is half damaged. I can get us about half speed. Initiate pattern echo Zeta. And so the Enterprise is pretty much crippled and vulnerable, and... Um, you know, Lon's recommending retreat. I mean, she's pretty adamant yeah. about it. I mean, she, right. Pike, and once again, Pike does listen. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but be slightly irritated. <laughs> I'm like, you need to calm down just a tad. Right. 
But but, but um, I think I think this this is showing us what kind of leader he is, and in the leader who says, you know, I'm not just gonna, you know, shoot from the hip here. I'm not just gonna do what I want because I'm the captain. He's got this thing about him that says, you know, maybe I'm not right. Let me hear what you have to say. Obviously, I'll make the decision, but I'm not going to just naively think that I know everything and not listen to you know the people around me. And don't get me wrong. I do agree, agree with that leadership style. I mean, that's how I operate um, in the television production directing world. When I have teams I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. leading, um, I, do, I do adhere to that, but I, I do get irritated when I have team members who are always on the negative side. It drags down the whole team because that person is always lean jump straight into the negative but but it's also based on what pike allows you know that. you could you could have a a, a, a friction filled uh bridge if laan was constantly fighting with him and he was constantly saying be quiet or you know know your place or you're you know you're relieved um but that's just not the way it's happening and i think you know, it's so far it's turned out okay. Again, I think we talked about this before. I would love to see Pike make a mistake. You know, he, he we lost some crew members in this episode, but I would love to see him actually um, make a mistake that that costs lives where he has to live with that. I think we got a little taste of that because he was pretty distraught about the fact that they they lost a crew member because when they make the decision to go deeper uh, yeah. to the point where the ship the the pressure would crush the ship. Yeah, they, um, they lose people in they the lose members. And and Spock basically yeah. turns to him and, and tells him it was the right it was the right call. But you can see the distress. And at that point he had just announced one person had died, but it still weighed heavily on him. And you know, that just speaks to who he is. I think again, I, I think I didn't feel it myself because I knew it was that crimson tide moment, but I didn't see or feel the moment like it was in Crimson Tide, where you see Ricky Schroeder. You know, you know, and Steve Zahn is trying to close the the door and he's using the wrench and the water's filling up. We didn't see that. We just kind of right. saw one guy running for the door and he makes it and the other guy doesn't make it. And it goes back to what you were saying. It's just the fact that there isn't as much time to do that. Yeah. Um, it would budget. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> more budget. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it costs more to make it a little more dramatic in that and stretch out the moment. But um I get it. You know, Pike made a gutsy move to take him in deeper and the Gorn ship that followed in there ended up exploding. So it was yep. actually a good imploding, move. actually imploding. Yes. And that move was made primarily because of what Lon said. She said yeah. that they were ruthless and they're, they're at yeah, all costs. Uh, now we have like a giant ship coming, coming for them. And now we're having to make even even gutsier moves. And so we're going to do this, this whole, well, before they made the decision to do a slingshot move around the, the brown dwarf. Uh, I think they had just gotten to that point where the the ship was about to be crushed, so they had to come up, or <laughs> they were going to lose the ship. Right. And right. I think in that moment, you see Pike accept the fact. Well, I guess we're going to have to go hand to hand combat. You said they wanted to take us prisoner number one. Well, if they think they're going to board the Enterprise, they're going to find one hell of a fight. Battle stations, make ready for close quarters. And so they parked the ship, and they were getting ready to to actually prepare to be boarded, basically. Um, yeah. when, when that, when that second Gorn ship actually imploded. Yeah, that was great. And it gave them a, a little bit of breathing room. Spock, could we use the black hole's gravity to slingshot us to safety? Mathematically, that is possible, but the Gorn will see us and have the opportunity to pursue us. 
uh, I can't remember who came up with the idea to use the space-time bending of the uh, black hole to make, was it Spock, to make it look like the Enterprise was in the same position. But I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant move. That was actually Spock, and they figured it out, had a slingshot around that. Captain, a shuttle is our only shot. You don't have to order anyone to go. I'll do it. As will I. In the meantime, you know, they sent a shuttle over. And this was about the time that La'an requested that a mine mill was done by Spock so she could dig deeper because she's like, there's something that I'm, I'm forgetting. There's something that yeah. could be useful. And so that's, you know, we saw her brother being in flashes all across the whole episode. So finally, with the mine mill, we were able to see what took place. Keep looking at me. They're coming. Take this. They'll help you hide. The light. I watch them. That's how they talk to each other. So the two of them were running. Yeah. And uh, the brother basically had been studying all the flashing lights. And that was figured out that that was their way of communicating. So then that was one good thing that was brought out of the mind mail. Not to mention, she saw that Spock lost someone. And I know. Another reference to Burnham. As far as I know. This is the first mind meld where they didn't just speak, but they went into the minds of each other and we saw it. I loved the twist when she turns around and says, you lost someone too. And he's like, well, all right, let's cut this off. Um, because they keep talking about discovery, which I think is really great because they, they uh, I don't know, it's part of his past. And I loved being inside the mind meld. I thought that was neat to see. I've modulated these shuttle's phasers for your instruction. I just told them humans boarded and took over the vessel. And I think their tactic that they used to defeat the the the, the remaining well, the two born ships had the big one and, and another little one. And I thought the the tactic of figuring out the lights and and basically posing as the other ship, saying that the the humans have taken over our ship, so the big ship destroys the other born ship. Yep, it was smart. We, we don't like weakness. Might as well get rid That's of right. it. So they torch. Let's it. kill it. Yeah. And then they do the slingshot move and make it appear that they had been destroyed when they tried the maneuver right. and the Gorn ship leaves. So, I mean, it was just a lot of, there were just a lot of moves that were made that were gutsy and not all the calls were Ta- correct. And I think that that's real life. Right. Yes. And they were tactical. Again, if you, if you do hunt for red October, which is another fantastic submarine movie, Sean Connery stages a uh, destruction of his vessel with you know an oil slick and he makes everyone believe that red october had been sunk they get all the um crew members off the ship so they have plausible deniability it was uh that that's what that reminded me of too this was a very hunt for red october uh crimson tide kind of episode oh no i, I really did appreciate this episode for all the twists and turns and it, and it, it just made it feel more real because mistakes were made not everybody not every decision that was made was perfect. And I'm going to drop back just a hair. Before they did the slingshot maneuver, uh, Pike knew what was at stake. He said, you know, he knew that they might fail, but he made this really speech once again, connecting to the speech that was made at the beginning. When we seek out the unknown, we will find things that challenge us, that frighten us, but we do not back down. And I believe today will not be our last mission, but our finest hour. He basically told his crew being hopeful again, like he told Lon, you have to be, hopeful you have to give your 
crew members hope this would be wouldn't be their last mission but this instead would be their their finest hour his yeah. churchill moment which which also harkens back to apollo 13 too i think this would be our finest hour um but there there is a piece of that that is a little bit tricky because we all know that pike knows he's not going to die for 10 years so he can get into any situation and be like no nah, no big deal i'm not gonna die anyway <laughs> Maybe that's one advantage that he does have is that he can yeah. try different moves. Now, granted, yeah, his moves could could come, come with consequences of getting other people killed if he's not going to get killed. And, and that's where that's where I want to see his drama. He's the the the, the survivor the survivor's guilt. That's the that's what I want to see his character go through as he takes bolder moves and goes deeper into space and encounters all these things. I want to watch him lose crew members and, and feel that guilt. I think that'd be great for his character. I think that would be fantastic. It'll, it'll just make the show more well-rounded and deeper. With that being said, let us both take a look at our top three moments from this week's episode. And I believe today will not be our last mission, but our finest hour. So number three, um, I really enjoy Pike's pep talks to the crew about sacrifice and giving them hope as they resurface out of the brown dwarf because that was it was a big moment i mean they were they were definitely on the weaker side of this battle going into it with the gorn i i agree and i think that's a great place to start with your number three mine's kind of like that and that's pike's willingness my number three is pike's willingness to take the ship into danger and inspire the crew to follow him because they it's a metaphor and it's real they're going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and I just kept, I thought that just kept raising the stakes. Helm full impulse to Spock's mark. Aye, aye. Full impulse to a giant gas cloud. My number two was the Enterprise going into the Brown Dwarf in the first place, giving us that feeling of Rathacon. Because it was the cat and mouse of it was you know, hearkening back to that moment when they went into the nebula in the uh, original series or the original series movie, The Wrath of Khan. And I just thought that was really, really cool. I felt that tension. Everybody's sweating on the ship because it's hot and <laughs> everybody's just looking around. Yeah. And that moment yeah. when um, Ortega wants to go ahead and fire, make evasive maneuvers, and Pike says, no, just sit, stay put. And they just sat there quietly until the ship passed. And I just thought that that was really cool that cat and mouse of, of Khan was here as well. I agree. I, I love that one. My number two, five words. They use the Galileo shuttle. I yes. love seeing Galileo because when I was a kid and I watched Star Trek and I got the models, I built the Galileo shuttle from the original series. And I just loved hearing that word. Galileo. Ray Shields now. Ray Shields, red alert. My number one was La'an asserting herself on the bridge with Captain Pike, just basically over talking him to just uh, bring home the point, drive home the point that this is the Gorn and they're ruthless and they play for keeps. That was a good one. And I, I love the tension that was created there. And I think it'll set up the relationship in the future. My number one, very similar, it involves the Gorn. My number one of the entire episode is we never see the Gorn. I thought that created so much terror and so much mystery and 
it just added to the overall what the hell is going on it was that jaws under the water you don't know what's happening kind of feel and i just thought that they did it brilliantly i'm so glad you never saw them they weren't hailed they weren't on the viewer we never saw who they were and i thought it was brilliant so hopefully by the end of the season these fools will appear so that we they will i, nice I guarantee you we're going to see them again they'll be like the board and I want I want hand to hand combat. I really want an epic <laughs> battle with them. Always love that. If they use that music, if they use that music, I'll be like, all right, that's it. Next week is episode five of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, and it's called Spock Amok. A personal visit causes a comedy of errors during Spock and Pipe's crucial negotiations with an unusual alien species. Spock, your ears. You're a human. It's a prank. I will not marry a human. I choose Califi. ritual combat but fighting myself is two things about that i love that they use the word amok because there was a muck time um which i thought was uh again hearkening back to to tos and then the other thing is you mentioned comedy of errors could this possibly be a more light-hearted episode could it be a departure from what they normally do. It'll be interesting to see because we've already seen the the sneak peek for next week. And yeah. we see Spock and his fiance. They're supposed to be getting married and his all of a sudden his ears become human ears. And she's like, no, I can't marry a Vulcan, but I'm gonna have to issue a challenge. And then she calls on Vulcan Spock and then Vulcan Spock fights with human Spock. So this clearly has to do with this internal battle of his human and Vulcan side. So. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. I think it will play out well. I've been saying every week, you know, for the next week's episode, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I always get surprised at how great it is. So this week I'm going to say, I'm just going to go into it, arms and ears and eyes wide open, and I'm sure it will be great. I'm going to be the skeptic because anytime you insert comedy in here, you just don't know how it's going to play out. You just don't know how it's going to play out because there've been plenty of whimsical episodes that I was like, oh. So that we'll see. True. We'll see what happens. So we will find out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode of Energize, Steve. I, I like I said, I was waiting for an action-packed episode, and we got it. So I'm very, Did very not pleased coming out of this. Disappoint. Fantastic episode. Great week. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, engage now and hit the subscribe button. Leave us your feedback and we'll see you next time.